0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Good morning everybody, good to be here uh, to worship the Lord together this morning. Folk, today we cover the church in Thyatira, the church in Thyatira. And it was an interesting church, and it's probably the church that we know the least about, And um, it, it was pretty cultish, if you like. And I thought, let me have a look at what new cults are around. So I googled cults in Australia. And the first thing that came up was your 2017 Guide to Cults and Fringe Religions. And I just thought, let me just... There were heaps of articles. And I just read... Just the first three. The first one was titled, wait a minute, comma, is Satanism actually really great? And so somebody went out and investigated what Satanism is all about. Interesting. Why would you want to go there and actually get into the pigsty when from a distance you can see what the pigsty looks like? You can smell what it looks like. Why get into the pigsty? The second article I read was I road tested three cults around Melbourne. Let me just go and investigate three cults and let's see which one I favor and which one favors me and what turns me on, what rocks my boat. Let me go there. and Let me investigate it. Let me taste and see what poison really tastes like. The third one a day with the Australian couple who say they're Jesus and Mary. How sad is that? And you kind of... We laugh about this in March 2019 in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning. But can you believe it? That it's by God's grace that we don't think that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By God's grace. Because we too could have been like that. Yeah. We are no better Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate this woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery and her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead Then all the churches will know That I am he who searches hearts and minds And I will repay each of you According to your deeds Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira To you who do not hold to to her teaching And have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets I will not impose any other burden on you Except to hold on to what you have until I come To the one who is victorious and does not or does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I think that most of us here, please God, love the Lord Jesus Christ, just like those in Thyatira. But they also loved somebody else in the church And they tolerated that person's teaching in the church It's a literal church in Asia Minor They are known to be good dyers of clothing to the color purple And it's kind of this royal purple, if you like And there was a lady that came to faith in that city of Thyatira by the name of Lydia And we can read about her in Acts chapter 16 verse 14. She came to faith. And so of all the churches, the seven churches here, Thyatira is the one that we can't fully grasp. But there is enough for you and for me to learn a lesson from this church. What are the lessons? Well, firstly, let me look at the character of the church. What was this church like? Well, Jesus says it was a loving church. And the word he uses for love there is not kind of, it was a romantic church. It was a church filled with agapi, with the love of God, which means it moved away from egocentric self. They did well in loving. They did well in loving one another. We read about that in verse 18. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire. In other words, Jesus could look into their hearts metaphorically with his blazing eyes And he could see that they genuinely loved one another with the agape love It wasn't kind of romantic love It was a love that said, I love you, I care for you I'm prepared to go the extra mile for you And so it was a loving church It was unselfish Because that's what this agape love is all about But secondly, it was a a church that was uh, characterized by exercising their faith. They never just spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they had faith. And the word faith there is the word pistis, which means a conviction because of their relationship to God, their beliefs. They served one another because they exercised their faith because of their love for God and for one another. You see, it's easy to speak about God all day long. But there is an outworking of our faith. Our faith in Christ leads us inexorably to the obedience of faith among all nations. And let me say this, that it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And so you'll find people who are, in my opinion, very arrogant who say, well, I let God in. Or friends... It's not about us. It's about God coming and invading our hearts and penetrating the deep parts of who we are so we are able to be convicted and put our faith and trust in Him. Because we are pretty spasmodic. We're pretty fickle. We are inconsistent. But when God comes and penetrates our hearts, there's belief that leads out, there is conviction. We can be convinced about many things, but that conviction leads us out to serve one another. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace, khari, the favor of God, grace, that you have been saved, through faith, not from yourselves. I did God a favour and, and, and I turned my faith, you know, to put my trust in Him. No. It's by God's grace that the light has come on for us. Unlike those who want to go and taste the sty, Those who want to go and consume some poison. Those who want to claim that they are Mary and Jesus. How sad is that? We're saved by God's grace. And what do we do? Not from ourselves. It's a gift from God. This church had that great gift of faith. That we're able to take God's grace and respond in faith. Thirdly, it was a church of service. Verse 19. Beautiful. I commend you for your service, he says. And that word service there is where we get the English word deacon. It, you, I, I'm, I, I'm grateful because you're a church of servants who serve one another. You're a bunch of deacons, he said. And that word diakonos comes from two Greek words. dia, Through. Konos. You create some dust. You serve tables. It's like a waiter that says, listen, I I need to get involved. And it's like it almost has a picture of this this chicken that's looking for worms and something to eat and creating dust. They were busy all the time. They were serving God. Not at the expense of their faith in him. Because he said it earlier. Listen, you've put your faith and trust in me. You are loving one another and you're serving one another. And he says, I commend you for your service. Fourthly, he says it was a church that was characterized by perseverance. They persevered, we read in verse 19 of Revelation chapter 2. And that word perseverance, beautiful word, ipo, ipo, under, moni, to stay. They stood strong under persecution. They stood strong in their faith. Folks, it was, it's way easier to live as a Christian. Yes, there's temptation. It's hard. We're living in an apathetic society. Uh, we are post-Christian. Remember there was post-modernism. Now we are post-Christian as a nation. But it was way, it's way easier to live now than it did 2,000 years ago. And so he says, listen, you've persevered under difficult circumstances. He doesn't say that to the church in Ephesus where he says, you've lost your first love. He says, no, you guys have been faithful and you have persevered under struggle. I wonder if we can say that about one another today, that we're persevering like the church in Thyatira. And I hope I'm wrong, but I kind of sense that tough times will come for Christians. Tough times will come for Christians. It's interesting what is taking place from week to week. Just last week, there was a, an interesting case that uh, the media are dying to discredit the church. And it's people like you and I that are going to have to step up and persevere under the pressure the church in Thyatira did. And grateful to God for that. So that's the character of the church. But then. There were problems in the church (laughs) Welcome to the real world There were problems in the church Jesus had some very strong words And you, you begin to pick up There's a trend in each one of these He says you guys have done exceptionally well So he says something about himself Jesus who he is Eyes like burning into our hearts And seeing what's going on So we can't fake it And I think it's hard work to fake it It's really hard work I'll never forget, I've got this picture in my mind where when we first got to Australia, we never had Tim Tams in South Africa. And so we discovered Tim Tams. And so Michael and I would be experts in Tim Tams. And, uh, you know, just before dinner, we'd get this urge to have a Tim Tam. And Michael said, Dad, I want a Tim Tam. And I'd say, No, son, we're going to have dinner now. Dad, I want a Tim Tam. No, my boy, we can't have one. Dad, I need a Tim Tam. And then he would pull his mouth a bit skew, and he would go... "Mm -hmm." It was one eye would see, but there were no tears. It's hard work to fake it. It's hard work to fake it. The church in Thyatira didn't fake it. They loved one another genuinely. But there were still problems in that church. And one of the problems was... Tolerating and the teachings of Jezebel. The teachings of Jezebel. Jezebel is has this negative connotation in the Old Testament. And every time we read about it in the New Testament, same thing. And um, Dr. Lee, a, a theologian, Dr. R. G. Lee, um, says this about it. She says, I introduce you unto I introduce unto you Jezebel, that slithering, snide, serpent-coiled beside the throne of Ahab, the king whispering in his ear, tempting him to do what was displeasing to his God. Somebody at the side telling him the error, but it was extremely attractive. And that was Jezebel. And friends, it is... The day and age that we live in where we can easily be led astray and convinced nowadays that the one that we might follow is error and there is a better way. There is a better way. And that comes with arrogance. That some people are saying this is the better way. Now, it's easy for them to worship something that they don't understand. And this God of fertility, they did not understand, because that was the God that they worshipped. And so way before we understood what, what, uh, how the reproduction system works of animals and all the rest, you can easily turn to something that is mysterious and worship it, because you don't fathom it. You see, we live in a day and age where you must control everything. And how do you control Yahweh? In fact, the Hebrew word is not Yahweh, but Yahweh. How do you control spirit? And it's easy to turn to something that is extremely mysterious. In fact, if you come to the Bible studies on Monday night, not tomorrow because it's a public holiday, but every other Monday, we teach, we, we're learning about 1 John and Gnosticism. The more knowledge you have about something, the more control you have and the more spiritual you are. That's not what the Word of God says. This element of faith says, I put my faith and trust in I know he's real, I can't touch him or feel him, but I know he's in my heart. I know he's in my mind. I worship him. You see, this Jezebel was bad news. What's even worse, she was very attractive because of the sensual element that, was conno- that had that connotation. And that's extremely dangerous. She was able to come, and we read in verse 20, she was able to seduce people. And that word seduce, planao is where we probably get the English word plan from. She was able to lead people astray and lead them off the right way. In fact, she doesn't do it kind of uh, uh, by mistake. She plans, Planao to seduce them. And she plans to lead them astray. And folk, I think it's not only Jezebel nowadays that comes in the form of... of uh, you know, uh, scantly dressed or anything like that. Spiritually, it's any man or woman that plan now to seduce us, to lead us astray from the truth. If we do not know the truth, we are in trouble. Jesus said it in John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and it is the truth that sets you free. Anybody who comes to plan now to seduce us, to lead us astray They're not going to come and say Listen, this is wrong You better come uh, and, and worship Satan in, in another way No, it's subtle But that's their plan and purpose And you can pick up the error quite easily Also, it was a church that tolerated Jezebel They tolerated Jezebel I've got a picture there of some money And uh, it's interesting that... I've put that picture up there because it's when you know what the genuine looks like that you're able to pick up the error. If we don't know the truth, it's easy to pick up the error. And so there are some who say, well, we must investigate what all these other cults and religions are like. Friends, if we know what is right, we can pick up what is wrong. So we need to be specialists in the word of God. And so she came along, or whoever uh, came to plan and, and lead them astray, and they tolerated that. We tolerate, we tolerate a lot of error in the church. And Jesus said, I see with eyes of fire into what's going on. Be careful. And friends, the time has come. Remember September 11, or 9-11, in September 2002? It was a change of the way the world began to think. And I think, and I hope I'm wrong, but last week was an interesting time in Australia where the world, certainly the media, are out to get the church. They are out to get the church. Because from the 1st of March, uh, there was something that became available called Redress, And I won't expand too much on that, but claims will be able to be made from the 1st of March, two days ago. Everybody will come and try and put the name of Jesus down and claim certain things about Christians, about Christianity, and about the church. We will be labeled as abusers, and we need to stand up for what is right. Because it's going to come through subtle forms of seduction and Jezebels if you like and again I pray to God that I'm wrong how will we know something is wrong well because we know what is right and so Jesus very beautifully in each one of these churches doesn't say you know what you're great you're wrong and I'm going to wipe you out he he gives us a solution to the problem, and that is the action that they need to take. And he says, firstly, repent of the evil that you are allowing. And as I've said the last month, the word repent is the word metaneo, meta after, and your now. As you think in a certain way, you've come to your senses and you change. The way you think You change your mind You reconsider And you make right That which you realize is wrong You realize that you might have Been led astray You might have been leaning on the side of error And Jesus says Listen, turn Turn from this So you don't go Into the fire as it were So you don't um, get into The pigsty and enjoy it My aunt in the village in Cyprus has got this big fat pig and it's as dirty as and it lives kind of in there and there's potato peels and it urinates in in its water bowl and it turns around and it drinks that and it just doesn't know the difference and is enjoying her life until Christmas that is. (laughs) We can get in to this pigsty and cake ourselves with the mud and think that we're good. And we stink. And we won't even know it. Please God, may we not be found like that. But you know what Jesus says in verse 23? That he's given her time to repent. He's given her chronos, chronos, time to turn. And gives us time as we come to our senses to turn. But sadly, that, that, that verse ends with, but she did not. She didn't want to turn. Folk, that's dangerous. If we don't want to turn from our wicked ways to the holy God, this old-fashioned holy God. Not this God who is kind of allows everything to go. That's not the God we serve. Our God is a loving God. And He wants us to be His children. But He is holy. He's holy. And He cannot tolerate sin. I love because we are holy. May we turn. And then finally, says they need to hold on to the good that they were doing. And folk, there are two words for good. The one is kalos, where we get the English word attractive, kind of to the eye, the word calligraphy, nice writing, something that is good and attractive to the eye. But he's saying no, hold on to the God good. To the God good, the moral standard that God has set for us. May we be found faithful. But the more important word that's used there in verse 25 is the word to hold on. Krateo. Krateo, which means to have the power to take possession of it. Hold on. Because you know in whom you have believeth. And he will keep us to the very, very end. He actually says, continue to hold on. You know who Jesus Christ is. Hold on to Him. You know that He has been with you to the very, very end. And He is all we need. It's important that we persevere, though. It's important that we persevere. I read this uh, story to the ladies at the International World or Ladies' World Day of Prayer. Now, I want to end off by reading you the story as well before we have communion together. It's called The Sun. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the great works of art. When the Vietnam conflict broke out, the sun went to war. He was very courageous and died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his only son. But a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. The young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, Sir, you don't know me, but I'm the soldier for whom you, your son gave his life. He saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart, and he died Instantly He often talked about you And your love for art The young man held out this package I, don't, uh, I know that this isn't much I'm not really a great artist But I think your son would have wanted you to have this The father opened the package It was a portrait of his son Painted by the young man He stared in awe at the way the soldier Had captured the personality of his son In the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes That his own eyes welled up with tears He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture Oh no sir I could never repay what your son did for me It's a gift The father hung the portrait over his mantle Every time visitors came to his home It took them to see the portrait of his son Before he showed them any of the other great works he had collected The man died a few months later There was to be a great auction of these paintings. Many influential people gathered, excited over seeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to purchase one of their collection. On the platform sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel. We will start the bidding with this picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? There was silence. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, we want to see the famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Will someone bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding? $100? $200? Another voice shouted angrily, we, don't come, we didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. Get on with the real bids. But still the auctioneer continued, The sun, the sun, Who will take the son? Finally a voice came from the very back of the room. It was the long-time gardener of the man and his son. I'll give $10 for the painting. Being a poor man, it was all he could afford. We have $10. Who will bid $20? Give it to him for $10. Let's see the masters. someone shouted. $10 is the bid. Won't someone bid $20? Crowd was becoming angry. They didn't want the picture of the sun. They wanted the more worthy investments of their collections. The auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row shouted, Now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down the gavel. I'm sorry, the auction is over. What about the paintings? I'm sorry. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal that stipulation until this time. Only the painting of the son would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would inherit the entire estate, including the paintings. The man who took the son gets everything. God gave us his son. 2000 years ago that is all we need we do not need to be seduced by anything else that we come into contact with may we know that the cross is sufficient for life and for integrity and to serve him faithfully let's pray together Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we acknowledge that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Lord, that you look into our hearts with eyes of fire. Lord, this morning we come before your table. We thank you that you examine our hearts, Lord. And Lord, those very eyes of fire look into us, Lord. But this morning we pray that you will purge us with the fire of your eyes and reveal what is not right and purge it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.